Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you and you too. You know who I don't trust? Who? I don't trust people with graph paper. Why is that? They are always plotting something. Now the elk are going to come running. What is that, Todd? Yeah, you uh, procured from the bins, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, this elk call mechanism, which looks like a, um, it's like a collapsible tube, basically, with a, with a type of, of reed, you called it, on the end that you blow into yeah, to mimic the call of an, an, of an elk. So we were listening to elk calls earlier uh and and it was it was surprisingly on so yes that was that was what was oh he, yeah there's the the actual elk call <laughs> exactly so yes, if this show gets overrun by elk in like 20 minutes <laughs> just coming through the windows very confused very horny elk <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that has been uh delighting me uh for the past couple of minutes that in this what do we call this it's this geometric box toy that is reminiscent of the rubik snake kind yeah. of uh but there's like some magnets in it and you can turn it around it's a bunch it's of like a um shifting yeah it's just called the shape shifting toy or whatever and there are like 72 shapes we were talking about which everything is a shape at some point but it like goes into a little cube and uh, but they're just the most fascinatingly engineered things i was telling you i brought it home over christmas break uh and my um niece's husband who was like this tinkering engineer and engineering type guy was just so fascinated uh, with it. And it's just such a fun little, little toy. What's so it? it has a brand. It name. has many names. It has a brand name. It's oh. been patented and is the Shishibo. Oh, uh, the Shishibo. Shishibo shape shifting box. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool and very satisfying because it kind of clicks into place. Um, yeah. It makes a little, little clacky noise but very satisfying unlike other puzzle box toys that turn out disappointing and dull <laughs> the patented award-winning shishibo sensory box features 36 rare earth magnets for an innovative design that transforms into over 70 shapes wow fits comfortably in the hand for hours of mind challenging fun <laughs> It is so very very fun. I I feel like I'm very late to the party with this, but it is the it is a very cool little toy. Um, did you watch? Um, so so you did because you live tweeted to me, live texted to me. You watched Saltburn. I did watch Saltburn. And, yes. And uh, Jacob Alordi was the host of SNL last night. Who is? Oh, is that the main the main guy? Yeah, yeah. The not the actor. The the one who everybody loves in the movie Saltburn. Oh, the the the, the 
not the main character, but the guy who own who whose the family son. is uh, okay. Yeah, okay, the son yeah, yeah. of the family, the dreamy son, the dreamy son. Okay, and <laughs> it took so, me a long time to get. I there. was so disappointed in SNL last night oh. uh, because every single skit uh, that had him in it was just about him being dreamy. ridiculously dreamy and Funny. like and he's prepared he's in the middle of filming uh a military movie that he is a prisoner of war <laughs> and so he's gaunt and sickly like he's just both like good christian bale like, and the machinist right and so he's like <laughs> s- he's like seven feet tall and weighs 12 pounds <laughs> and he looks like he's been in a concentration camp yeah and wow. uh, and so he didn't look good which was so ironic with all of the skits of like fawning over how right. g- how great he looks oh wow right. yeah i did i didn't i did watch Saltburn. um i wasn't as as scandalized uh as as i thought i was going to be uh, which i guess is very telling <laughs> of me as a person especially if you've seen Saltburn. um but it was interesting. I had to look up a couple of videos afterwards because I don't. I'm not. I'm not quite smart enough to understand why it's so good per se, sure. or why people are going on and on about how how it's so good. But yeah, so it was. It was an interesting watch. Kind of not what I expected, but yeah, some fun twists and turns yeah, and and all that. So yeah, it was it was fascinating. I did watch. Um, I watched Taylor Swift's 2020 Ooh, documentary. Miss Americana, I think it's called. It's on, right. it's on Netflix. Um, and I'd watched it when it came out, but I just kind of wanted to watch watch that again. And it was so interesting um, to to um, not to, not to bring it all back to Madonna, of course, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. Um, but her documentary is mostly about how um, she spoke out against one of the midterm right. elections or whatever, and it was going to be very unpopular. And so it was all building up to Taylor finding her voice, which for child stars and child actors is impossible because you've been controlled your whole life. So right. her taking her agency and in, in what she's saying. Um, and it's just such an interesting contrast because like that it's a foreign, that's a foreign concept to me in female pop singers because like never has that been a problem for Madonna right. to be like, I don't, what I don't care what people this is what I believe and this is right. like that's her whole brand and so it was interesting to see two two different sides of, of very popular pop stars or whatever and what and then I watched uh, the era's tour yeah which was three hours long um, and that was interesting too I can I can it was a, it was a much different concert than I was expecting. I don't know that I was expecting like a Britney Spears or Beyonce type thing. Um, but I did think it would be a little bit more complicated than it was where she just kind of sings her song. I was a little disappointed. She didn't have more of a storytelling theme going through Mm -hmm. like her journey or like she just sort of changed dresses for each quote unquote era. And as someone who doesn't know anything about Taylor Swift, I knew about 10 songs of the 40, which isn't bad for just like cultural osmosis. And, and um, I do really, really like some of her songs. Um, But yeah, it was just, it it was an interesting contrast to, um, to what we will be doing next Mm -hmm. month, Mark. 
We're going to see Madonna. We are seeing Madonna. Yes. Originally, I was going with uh, Brian the Unipiper, um, but there was, as they say, scheduling conflicts. Yes. Um, and so for, and it's both of our birthdays in February. Yep. So I thought, oh, this will be fun. We'll go together. You have seen her before. But like in truly the worst conditions a, with a very a dark tour. Disappointing environment. It, it yeah, was not, yeah. not uh, because the concert was particularly bad, but we were in Florence, Italy, and we're in one of the mega stadiums. And it was at like 180 <laughs> degrees outside. And that's where mostly everyone just stands out on the pitch as they say like is there just the big swath of humanity that's on the big field? swath of humanity on the field and we were high and far in the bleachers oh okay and, and so we were up in the bleachers packed in like sardines they're all metal and just reflecting all of the heat up and, and so it was outdoors outdoors oh, so like this it was sound terrible. was <laughs> Terrible. Not an option. Sound was terrible. <laughs> or the freeway behind she you. She showed up three hours late because she's got an Italian boyfriend and at the time. And so she was gallivanting on a on a whatever Vespa around <laughs> Florence or whatever. <laughs> Live in La Vida Loca. <laughs> Something. I don't know. And uh, yeah, so she showed up. And so all in all, that was a disappointing yeah. event. Uh but not because of her quality. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't, yeah, I don't know that even I would go see her in an environment like that just because I can't imagine that being a good experience of any kind. Right. Um, but yeah, we will be seeing it at the climate change, the climate pledge arena. I think it's called, which is just <laughs> such <laughs> a capitalist nightmare of, of a name. It's, yeah, it wouldn't be, ironic if you know uh, this latest freeze a pipe broke and just <laughs> flooded it or whatever just so yeah it was originally scheduled uh, last last june i think we were sort of june or july on um, and it got postponed and and i've been watching watching clips as she's been going around she did her european leg and is now in north america and i have to say she was very very creaky at first um, but I saw a video of her last uh, last night from I think she's in Toronto right now, and I was kind of shocked at how much she was up and moving now. And and so I'm glad I didn't see her. We were scheduled to see the second date of the entire tour, wow. and I was like, Ugh, I don't. What a terrible time to see a show. Right, right. It's going off the ground. There's glitches. No one's whatever. And so I'm glad we're seeing her. While she's mid tour, mid tour, and warmed up, and she's looking looking healthy and and all that. And I'll skip to the uh, to the story since we're talking about it. But um, uh, but there has been news flying around about the concert goers who are suing Madonna and Live Nation over her show starting late. Uh, these two people from Bronx bought tickets to the celebration tour. And the tickets said that the show would begin at 8.30 p.m. But Madonna did not take the stage until something after 10.45. And the men said, men said that they were, quote, confronted with limited public transportation, limited ride sharing, and or increased public and private transportation costs by the time the show got out at 1 o'clock. Plus, they had to get up early to go to work. So, yeah. But yes, yeah, she's been sued many times before, including uh, in 2019. And I think on that tour that you saw, she's been sued. So she notoriously, and that's what the judge said too. <laughs> like, even I know that Madonna goes on like three hours late. 
But I would say just, I mean, in general, you're going to a gigantic event of some kind, whether it's a basketball or maybe that's a little different story, but when are you ever be home before like one or two in the morning going to a thing like that? It's not like that extra hour is getting you anything. And then to be, to sue a 65 year old woman who (laughs) night after night performs a two plus hour show of singing and dancing. (laughs) Oh, poor Madonna. Is that what we're saying? Yes. <laughs> she's, she's given us she's so much. She's the victim. <laughs> she's the true victim of this all. Um, but uh, I do think, because it isn't interesting, and I don't know why she does it. I thought that it was a jet lag, lag thing where at some some parts of the earth she's on schedule, but then as you go, you know, it, you just get a but you just go on no matter what time it is, it's in your head, but she's consistently, although she went on at nine 40 the other night, but it's, it's this, but I wondered if the, if the event place likes it because more people are buying concessions and going to the restaurants there and all of that. So I'm sure there's collusion of some sort, mm-hmm. but I did find out two interesting things before we uh, get too far into this. I was watching um, some video uh, essay, which I am addicted to on YouTube about the Stanley cup, uh, phenomenon and all of that, and, and not the hockey trophy, not the, the hockey trophy, but yes, the the cup that everyone's freaking out over. Um, which I don't know that was. I know they always show clips, but I feel like it's one of those things where it happened at one Target and right. it like <laughs> has just been shared everywhere. Electric vehicles losing their power uh, style, right. but um, but then I I I was watching something about just the invention of the Stanley cup, which has been in my life forever. Cause my dad always used him. He was a mechanic. So he hmm. always had the thermos. We would always fill it when we went to the beach every week in the summer, right. we would fill it with hot water and hot dogs so that you have warm hot dogs when you get to the beach. And so, um, the guy who invented it, whose last name was Stanley, uh, only lived for a couple years, uh, before dying and before it took off or whatever. But Stanley's son, um, founded Morgan Stanley with JP Morgan's Brian Stun. It's that Morgan. Yeah, it's that Stanley with Morgan who is JP Morgan's grandson. I thought what a what a family story that is. Did he also invent the glass house balloon at Mc- <laughs> Is he that guy? He exactly did everything. He's like that guy who invented like Chuck E. Cheese and Atari and like Dungeons and Dragons. Like I, there's a, a the, group of those. The things. same guy that came up with un, or leaded gas also invented um, PCPs that go into aerosols. Oh, funny. like cut open. He's oh, no. he's the one person oh, we did an no. episode about him like ten yeah, years ago, and, and responsible and, for the most deaths in like the history of the world, the most impact on the world physically than any other single That's human. So insane, that poor guy. He's dead, but oh, he's dead. He's CFC is in the atmosphere now. Yeah. Um, I was also watch watching something um from this YouTube guy named um. He's some British guy, and he was talking about vocal fry. I think the guy's name is Lewis Lewis James Bond. Um, oh no 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 no! We'll get to that. Sorry, Lewis James Bond. Lewis. My name is Lewis Lewis James Bond. Uh, but he's talking about vocal fry, which is that affectations that kind of millennial women made famous, where you're just kind of talking out of the. Um, and so he was looking into: is this why does everyone hate it? Um, where did it come from? 
and this whole history on vocal fry. And he pointed out that it's been around forever um, with people like Bond, James Bond. Right. All of this stuff. Uh, um, Swedish people tend to talk. He played Swedish people and they all have. That's just their natural intonation. And so he's like, until women started making famous, like women we find annoying. Kim Kardashian. Then it, yeah, yeah, Kim Kardashian. Then then all of a sudden the tide turns. We think it's new. We make fun of it. Right. It's in, in, indicative of, of laziness or whatever it is. And they have done studies and shown that if you listen to the same thing with somebody with vocal fry versus the same thing without, you give it more relevance and you think that vocal fry makes them sound more intelligent. Interesting. It is a, a thing. I wonder, it's, yeah. It's scientifically re- reproducible. That's interesting. Yeah, they played uh, C.S. Lewis is why, not Lewis James Bond, like I said before. <laughs> C.S. Lewis was at the front of that note. Uh, they played him talking and it was all vocal fry all oh, the time. Really? and. David Bowie was always singing in vocal fry, but until Britney Spears came along, then it became the problem or whatever. So anyway, I thought that was super interesting. What's more interesting is bum, that bum, bum. billions of, I don't have a, I don't, oh no, wrong one. there we go. That billions with a B uh, of uh, cicadas, cicadas, how cicadas. We, cicadas now, cicadas will emerge in the U.S. this year in a rare double-brood event that hasn't happened since 1803. Yes, so there are two different types of cicadas. One that is on a... So cicadas are those... The worst things of all time in my head. My nightmare is a cicada. Just gross, lumpy, jumping, hissing, awful, disgusting bugs. Um, thankfully don't live anywhere near the Pacific Northwest as far as I know, although with climate change, maybe they're going to flock here now. Um, but they mostly live underground as larva and every, there's one species that it's every 13 years and there's another species that is 17 years. They come up out of the ground, like in mass and just like, it's a locust storm of the cicadas. They mate. They fall back into the ground for another 13 or 17 years. Um, it was interesting. They, they, this thing that I was watching noted that 13 and 17 are prime numbers. And so um, they postulate that that way other insects can't also be on that. It's like too hard for insects to figure out to be their natural predators oh. to also come out at those times. I don't know if there's anything to that or not. Um, but yeah, they come out in mass just because they know if there's 10, 10 billion of them, some of them will, will survive. But since one's on 13 years and one's on 17 years, that means every 100 and whatever years oh. they will coincide. So this is the year, uh, uh, the last time it was 1803. This year is the year that both of them are going to come out at the same time. So, dun, dun, dun. oh, I am so glad we don't live and noisy too. those things. Yeah. Oh, just make, uh, I'm so glad they don't live anywhere around here. I'll take ice storms that shut down a city for, for a week, for a week, which yes, we didn't really talk about that. Yeah. How was, how was your week here it's much well, different here i'm surprised it than, is than different here down by me yeah we we got the hit of the ice storm so we lost power for most of the first day of the storm and then again on thursday we lost power for most of the day because of 
half a block that way, a big tree in the front yard oh. fell onto the power lines. We heard it happen from here. Uh, we heard the electrical shorting. Uh, and so, but they had it back going like six hours later. Nice. Pretty yeah, impressive. I know a lot of people were out of power for a long, long time. And I started to wonder, this is the first year that I've ever lived on a hill. The last place I lived at, and even when I lived in Northeast Portland, it was mostly flat. So even after a storm, I could get to a mainish road where it wasn't too bad and just hop on the freeway um, to at least go to 7-Eleven to get my precious refills. <laughs> but since last year, I moved up to a hill in West Lynn. It's like 500 feet up. Like I could not, I, there's a slight incline on the road that I'm on and I, you just can't get out. And I thought, thankfully I didn't lose power. And I thought, well, if I lost power, what, what are my options? Like right. I can come stay with Mark. Well, how am I going to get off my right. 500 foot hill to get to Mark's house? <laughs> Walk. <laughs> yeah. And right. how am I going to, my last house had a wood stove, so it didn't matter if the power went out. I still right. had, uh, I still had that and I got the, the, barrel full, full of water so I could flush toilets and stuff like that. But I don't know if I can even have a. I mean, what is a plan for, <laughs> for that? I, how do you make heat when the heat goes out for people that are trapped in their houses? Right. And, and cause you were getting messages on your like neighborhood app of like older people being like, Help. we're trapped. Yeah. yeah. We're trapped. It's too cold. Will somebody please get me? Like I'm, I'm freezing. I mean, yeah, that is. Oh. And there was somebody in Southeast Portland that froze oh. to death in their house. And it's terrible. Uh, and so we we stocked up on food before the ice storm was coming and, and knew that, like, we're, we're ready for a week, basically. Right. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's awful. And and a lot of people were not prepared. So are I mean I guess there aren't any way unless you have a generator to produce heat, right? When the electricity goes out, yeah. If you don't have a, I did see somebody. Yeah, I did see somebody say you can get an old tent. Maybe we'll have to get an old tent and uh, set it up uh, over your bed if your bed's big, and then kind of put blankets on the outside of the tent mm -hmm. and just go inside that make tent area and you make yourself an igloo at least. And I was like, well, I guess I'll be constructing an igloo at some point when my power goes out because I have no other choice. I mean, right. I could walk to, I mean, there's houses everywhere that I could walk to, but I'm assuming they are out. A, don't want me <laughs> showing up. Hi, hi, my power's out. I need to live here. Have you ever heard of the market podcast? <laughs> oh, hi. I didn't <laughs> see me come in. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really freaky, and and to not be able to have a backup plan is yeah. hard. Like I have a little brick that gives me electricity in case I need, like, right. to charge my phone or whatever, but not heat myself heat. or whatever. Right. <sighs> yeah, the anyway. our gas stove works. You know, the the stove top. Oh, see, yeah, and my uh, everything is electric in my house, yeah. so and so we could <laughs> close off the, the the kitchen and heat up the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, so, oh, should we do? Yeah, how about yeah. you take these little? Um, just the. Hold on a second. Let me find my. We have just the tip of the story. Just the tip. 
Walmart has been slammed after gifting employees 55 cent ramen for working during the blizzard. <laughs> yes. Terrible working just all over from this storm, not just in the Pacific Northwest. But yeah, here's some ramen for <laughs> risking your life to uh, not make a living wage. So, yeah. Next. Tesla drivers find themselves stranded as frigid temps drain batteries. Yeah, so we uh, we hinted at this before, and it's a discussion I had on Facebook, too, kind of asking why now? Why are we hearing about this now? I mean, electric cars are or Teslas aren't new. Um, is it just because, kind of <clears throat> speaking of the Target stories and the Stanley Cups or whatever, is it just going viral or whatever? And there was a couple okay. different answers, all of which were reasonable. Um, but it, it does seem like... It's a slow news day story. In other yeah. words, that everybody just kind of picked up that there are, yes, they're having problems, but like everyone in the Midwest plugs their car in, even if they're a combustible engine, like in the winter, regular gas cars used often will plug in to keep the engine block warm at night. I mean, that's just how you get through the Midwest. So it's not like, it just seems like a, is this a problem? And I, and maybe I don't the, know. The problem is. You can't charge a cold battery. Right. And the heaters require battery power to work. And so right. you can plug it into the wall and it won't operate take those heaters. And so it won't take a charge. Okay. And so you're you're literally stuck until you either manually heat it up somehow. <laughs> take your, up put it inside your blanket tent that you set up on your bed. <laughs> <laughs> or you wait until it thaws right and, yep and come may you can turn your car back on interesting huh yeah okay well that makes more sense then but it is funny because i'm sure we've had blizzards and teslas before right. it's just interesting that all of a sudden it's it's a thing that got Reached a lot of attention critical mass, so yeah. that's right all right well moving on the shuttered portland walmart sold for 20 million dollars Here's what the new owners plan to do. Uh, they're going to turn. Oh, it'll be turned into hung fat, which is awesome. It's a fourth hung fat in the uh, Portland metro. So area, what is it? Is what is hung fat? Hung fat's a, uh, Besides hilarious. An, an Asian bit. market. And it's oh, okay. awesome. So okay. So all, not a restaurant. It's a, like a yep. grocery, an Asian grocery, grocery. store. Yep. Nice. All right. Well, we're finding out more about the water ice buried on Mars and it's two miles thick. The European Space Agency probe has found enough water to cover Mars in an ocean between 4.9 and 8.9 feet deep, buried in the form of dusty ice beneath the planet's equator. That was really interesting about this ice storm is that we were supposed to get all, you know, heavy, heavy snow. But the initial one was it was so cold and so dry that it was like just crystal. Yeah, it was wisps of and right. it like barely accumulated. I mean, it way more down here, but up by my house, I mean, it didn't really even cover the ground, and it was yeah, it was so weirdly dry, and and yeah, it it's a dry cold. Um, the finding was made by ESA's Mars Express mission, a veteran spacecraft that has been engaged in scientific operations around Mars for twenty years. Boy, that's hard to believe. While it's not the first time that evidence for ice has been found, the new discovery is by far the largest amount of water ice detected there so far and appears to match previous discoveries of frozen water on Mars. So we'll be exploiting, we'll be selling that to Nestle soon. 
speaking of Nestle, half of recent U.S. inflation is due to high corporate profits, a report finds. The report, compiled by Groundworks Collaborative, which is a progressive think tank, found corporate profits accounted for about 53% of inflation during last year's second and third quarters. Profits drove just 11% of uh, price growth in the 40 years prior to the pandemic. So it went from 11 to 53. Prices for consumers rose by 3.4% over the past year, but input costs for the producers increased by just 1%. So basically, um, corporations were quick to pass on their increased cost to customers, but less quick to pass on their savings, says this lady. So what did we read last time that 10%... 90% of the stock market is owned by the like 10%, 10% of the people. So, yep. In better news, a winter light festival is returning to Portland for the ninth year and is expected to bring 200,000 attendees this year. They, uh, festival organizers say, and there are over 170 light-based art installations and performances. A full list of those can be found on the Winter Light Festival website. So I'm not sure where that's going to be. Um <laughs> Oddly, they did not include that in the story, but the event runs from February 2 to February 10. February 10. Hi, Mark. That's your birthday. That is my birthday. Oh, hi. I didn't see it come in. Um, Japanese sign. Are you looking up the location of the lights festival? Are you? No. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Well, the Japanese scientists capture plants communicating with each other on video. Published in the journal Nature Communications, my favorite journal, in October 2023, the research team successfully uh, captured undamaged plants, sending defense responses to nearby plants after uh, sensing a volatile organic compound, or VOC, which are produced by other plants in response to mechanical damages or insect attacks. Uh, The team, uh, which included these people from this postdoctoral researcher uh, attached an air pump to a container filled with leaves and caterpillars to another chamber containing a common weed that I'm not trying to pronounce a common weed from the mustard family. Ooh, they mustard gassed it. Um, The mustard gas was genetically modified to make their cells fluorescent green after detecting calcium ions which serve as stress messengers. The team then used fluorescent uh, fluorescent microscope to monitor the signals uh, that undamaged plants released after receiving uh, VOCs from the damaged leaves. So yeah, it basically looked like neon green, you know, whatever phosphors on the un- un It was passing on the message. Hey guys, there's- Stress, stress. So, so fascinating. Wow. Well, one of Portland's most distinct office buildings goes to auction mostly empty. I didn't know. So there's a lot in this. The Tree Farm building, located next to the Morrison Bridge on the east side of the river, features 56 potted strawberry trees affixed to its blue floral print exterior. Okay, so that one's called the Tree Farm. Um, It's the second high-profile building to go up for auction in recent weeks following Lolo Pass, which is a chic hostel and hostel now slated to become a residential drug treatment facility. So I'm not sure what that one is, um, but the the um, tree farm building, the one with strawberries on it, is only a 40% leased. So the guy who design or owns the building is long recognized as one of the city's most creative developers. Sold two other of his properties in the past two years without fanfare. The fair hair. So here we go. The Fair-Haired Dumbbell, 
which is the twin white right. buildings decorated with colorful squiggles at the East Burnside Street and Northeast MLK Boulevard. So that is the one where every time I go back uh, past it, I become more furiously <laughs> enraged. Yes. To a point where I can no longer be consoled at the existence of those buildings. Apparently, they are called the Fair Hair Dumbbell. I knew it was which called the Dumbbell. Gives me a even bigger. I I didn't think my capacity for hating that. for loathing of that <laughs> <laughs> that place could be expanded. But here we are. So um yeah, there's the Fair Haired Dumbbell Building sold in December of 2022. So he's responsible for all of these atrocities and that the, is and the zipper and this and i'm not familiar with this one either a food court at northeast 28th avenue in sandy um so what is is the zipper a building or just a lot it is a food uh uh little market uh, oh, okay so not, like not a you market. walk it's in not a multiple a... multiple food vendors in uh like it's in, not food trucks it's, right it's inside of whatever yeah. So yeah, a mercado okay. kind of stuff. But is it designed stupidly or what? No, no, no. Okay. We love it. Okay. Uh, and so it's got a uh, really cool art where it's got these vertical slats along mm. the outside, and if you look at the building from one way, it's got a rabbit on it. If you look at it from the other way, it says the zipper. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, all right, well, I'll give him yeah, a pass. Cool. I guess. <laughs> Oh, well, he sold ownership in that, so yeah. I guess I don't have to hate it anymore. Well, a new study ranks Washington State as one of the worst states for driving. Um, I don't know who did who did this. I just blindly saw it on an Internet site and copy and pasted. So they were ranked poorly due to low score in the cost of ownership and maintenance and the – what? <laughs> this, is how this, is, this is how this is written because I did not edit this one. Washington ranked poorly due to its low scores – in the cost of ownership and maintenance and the traffic and infrastructure categories. Perfect. Anyway, following Iowa, so the 10 best states to drive. So this is their idea. Georgia, Kansas, Oklahoma, Alabama, North Carolina, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas, and North Dakota. The 10 worst states were Montana, Vermont, Rhode Island, Nevada, Massachusetts, California, West Virginia, Delaware, and Washington, and Hawaii. Is oh, and Hawaii question. is the hanging, the hanging <laughs> the chad of that. Chad. <laughs> so well, take that for what it's worth. I always disagree. Every California always gets such a bad rap for driving, and I think they have the best drivers but the worst traffic. And I think there's sure. a difference there. Hmm. So fight me, California, Ohio, <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> Georgia. Uh, a Kentucky Republican pushes bill to make sex with first cousin not incest. House Bill 269, mm. which Representative Nick Wilson sponsored, would strike first cousin from the list of familial relationships defined as unlawful incest. Uh, interesting enough, Wilson first shot prom to prominence when he won the CBS reality TV show Survivor in 2018 called Survivor David and Goliath and also returned for the 40th season. So, But there was a quick follow-up to that story. Because uh, that lawmaker backtracked on that Kentucky bill because it was actually just a mistake. Um, <laughs> it was accidentally omitted oh. or whatever, and it got submitted, and everyone freaked out. And he's like, oh, God, it was just, just a typo. So the proposed removal of first cousins from that list, which also <laughs> includes parents, siblings, grandparents, great-grandparents, grandchildren, uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces, ancestors, and descendants, which is weird. Um, was quickly spotted and went viral. So he had to be like, no, no, this was just an accident. 
Although I think genetically speaking, I think you are out of the danger. And, and look, I don't so want to be too controversial is this here. The hill but you're dying on. <laughs> I want to just talk about my my, my hot cousins. <laughs> genetically, no, that's we're the, far enough. That's, that's revolting. That. I think genetically, you are out of most of the danger zone. If you would like need to repopulate Earth or whatever, but it is, I think. Still a little strange. Okay, Giuliani. <laughs> uh, well, controversy. The oldest dog ever, Bobby, has his title suspended amid a review. This is from Libsyn, Portugal. Guinness's world record. Talk about a great, uh, a great um, scam. I mean, Guinness essentially, is the Guinness Book of World Records is. It's the BB, the Better Business Bureau of. And you just yeah, and you hire them to come out and like right. look at your stupid thing, and it's like a whole organization that just does that from the Guinness it's Brewing the Company, Hollywood Star of. of That's right. Yeah. That's a good analogy. I like that. Um, anyway, the Guinness Book of World Records says it has suspended the title of the oldest dog ever that was held by a Portuguese dog that died last year. The publication said it was reviewing the title after some veterinarians questioned his age. Bobby, a reportedly 31-year-old guard dog, lived on a farm in the village of Conquerdos in Portugal. He was announced as the world's... Oh, wait, hold on. He, he was from the <laughs> He was from the Portugal province of... <laughs> we were laughing about that earlier. And you found the correct, uh, correct pronunciation. Can you recall how to... Um, no, I don't. It was. Uh, it was. Oh, um, Huitzla. Huitzla. Yeah. How do you spell that? H u i x t l a. Yeah. So it wasn't. We we were we were postulating that it was Guadalajara or something like that, but it was it was closer, but. Yeah. Um. Still so. So close, but yet so far. Um, But anyway, back to Bobby, the reportedly 31-year-old guard dog. Uh, He was announced as the world's oldest living dog and oldest dog ever last February. He was said to have been born on May 11, 1992. But the Guinness World Records told the Associated Press by email... Quote, while our review is ongoing, we have decided to temporarily pause both the record titles for the oldest dog living and ever just until all of our findings are in place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they received correspondence from some vets questioning the dog's age and took notice of public commentary from vets and other professionals. Uh, Bobby was a pure fred, a purebred Rafiero de Antejo, a breed that has an average life expectancy of 10 to 14 years. Calls to the dog's owner rang unanswered and he did not respond to text messages. So at the time, he, uh, Bobby was 30 years old and claimed the record from Bluey, an Australian cattle dog who died in 1939 at the age of 29. And it had he, so Technically, he's probably still the uh, the 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 champ if Bobby's uh, award gets uh, taken away from him. Mm. So controversy in the world's oldest dog arena. 
But in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Meanwhile, in Oklahoma. Meanwhile, in Oklahoma. This is uh, a lawmaker. A lawmaker targets furries in school with bill to involve animal control, which is amazing. Every, yes. Everybody's laughing at this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is one of those things where it just like makes me lose a little more. Like as a kid, I would see things like this happen. And be like, especially like during the Dungeons and Dragons and all that, where it's like such, it's so clearly not a real thing that adults <clears throat> are freaking out about that you always hope, like, when I grow up, that's not, I mean, we'll know better, like, when we're grown ups, but no. In Oklahoma, do you want to read it? Yeah, no, Oklahoma okay. lawmakers to the furries are filing a flurry of bills the <laughs> oh, day boy. before the filing deadline. Among them, this bill, authored by Rep. Justin Humphrey, a Republican from Lane County, would prohibit students who purport to be an imaginary animal or species from participating in school curriculum and activities. The bill would also prohibit students who engage in anthropomorphic behavior, also known as furries, from class. If a parent cannot pick up a student found in violation, the bill states... The animal control services will be contacted to remove the students. They'll be contacted like this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, this is so stupid. (laughs) This is so stupid. Not to, I mean, like, this, this isn't like, we're not at Olive Garden overhearing, like, some dad getting angry about what he thinks furries are. This is a person that is taking up legal, legal time out in the world we're living in to make statements, uh, to make laws about something that doesn't exist. So uh, coming to a pothole (sighs) near you, not, not representative Justin Humphrey. From Lane County or whatever, but oh, it's ridiculous. Oh boy. Anyway, that's the end of all of that. The Mexican city, city of Guadalajara. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what I thought we would talk about today is uh, a a an item that was a monorail. Uh, it was a vehicle. Monorail. A monorail. Monorail. But. It actually used gyroscopes on board to only to balance. Oh, there it is. Oh, you set up an extra monitor here. And I thought that was just a screensaver. And so this was a gyroscopic rail car. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Is Is that a computer rendering of that I'm looking at or is that a photo? Okay, it's a little computer rendering. Okay. Yeah. So it's like either either wherever they took this looks like mist in real life or this is a computer rendering. Yeah. So it was real. So it looks like I'll just describe it here uh, as as I'm looking at it. It is a rail car but there is a single line of wheels like a roller blade instead of roller skates of a regular thing and it is on a um yeah, it looks like a a train car on a single line of wheels in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, let's talk about this engineering marvel of the 20th yeah. century, the gyroscopic rail car. Which we all, are, we, which are common today, that common we all today. know like the back of our hands. So there was a guy named Louis Brennan who was a Irish-Australian uh, 
uh, inventor and he lived in Great Britain. And in the early 1900s, he created the gyroscopic monorail. And uh, so it's a 22 ton trolley car. And uh, how did it work? So inside the rail car were two large gyroscopic motors and just huge flywheels with you know thousands of pounds do we know much about the history of gyroscopes or should i should i refrain from asking until next week when i look it up myself i know how they work but i don't know the history i'm fascinated about what what just what machinery it takes to be able to make one i guess is what i'm asking i mean because they are fascinating i never had one of those gyroscope toys that were so popular and i was always so jealous of everyone else that had because they're just so weird one, one of my favorite things so these gyroscopic wheels were inside vacuum chambers so that it could fly freely without any resistance. resistance. And they were connected with a series of gears and then these valves with pistons that made it so it automatically self-corrected going around corners. And if... The, everybody on board all of a sudden went to starboard or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It would try and fall over and it self-corrected because it had these engineering marvels inside that when it started to tip, the gyros the gyroscopes had have a counter reaction that then would basically open a valve to you know shift the weight over to the other side with these gyroscopes. So here's what I don't get. Self-leveling. <laughs> Most of that. But also, just gyroscopes in general, like the one that I was describing at the toy, you, I believe, put the little string uh, string in and yep. then ripped the cord or whatever, and that's what, quote-unquote, powered it. So how is this train so it's operating the gyroscopes, and how does how does that work? So it, it's got a, an electric motor, so it would okay. be on battery power or... So once you get a gyroscope, a spin, so explain a gyroscope to me. Is it just two wheels perpendicular? One wheel. Oh, yeah. okay. So this this specific car has two gyroscopes uh, in tandem, kind of in parallel like wheels of a car. But there was a gear set between them so that if one went one way, the other would counteract it because they would operate in different directions so it would counteract that centripetal force of the first one being turned right and it would self-correct so is a gyroscope then at the basic just one quickly spinning wheel like when you do the bicycle yep. the bicycle exactly. thing so yep. so a gyroscope doesn't have to be that intertwined nope, thing that spins a gyroscope or the gyroscopic effect happens when something turns so anything can be a, anything momentum. can be a gyroscope if yep. it's doing dry but so it's as old as the wheel anything can be a gyroscope but not every a gyroscope isn't how does that everything. work <laughs> no but all animals are mammals but ma- all mammals are what anyway sorry <laughs> i'm trying all to, mammals are I'm animals trying to do not that. all animals yeah i'm trying to are mammals i'm trying to do that but applied to the gyroscope right Okay, no, that helps me though, because I just I figured it was a and so you can kind of see his uh, his operation there uh, in this. And so because like when you do spin that bicycle wheel on its own on the string or whatever, it needs to stand up, and so it's it's basically 
if you put it in a thing that's not restricting its movement, it's always going opposite of. Oh, it wants it to stay wants to upright stay where it is. to gravity, exactly. the force of gravity. It wants to stay in the position that it is in currently. So right. you can set it. Oh, that's right. Because you can, you can turn make it, it go sideways too. Uh, you can make it go whatever. But uh, it, once it's spinning, it wants to maintain that. Okay. And so it's got a, a built-in momentum to it where you, you something you know, like that bicycle tire, it's putting a lot more force back than just its weight, right. if you will. Right. You know, and um, so. So what year, uh, remind me of the year this is happening this with is this rail car. all in 1907. Okay. Yeah, so a long time ago. In Germany? Uh, in England, oh, England. And Churchill loved it and signed off on it, apparently, Winston Churchill. Uh, and so. Yeah, it's crazy to look at because it is it is the rollerblade of the train world where and but then when it's going around corners, it is just upright because yeah. of that effect. Yeah, and so it's got a series of valves and and this diagram goes into great detail and and really explains how each of those. Parts Did it work. use above? How is it? How is it getting its electric charge with a battery or with like the I overhead? I think with a battery because I don't. Interesting. I didn't see a uh, second or third rail upon upon. Right. Them. And so this was proposed for this is more of a public transportation exactly. thing as opposed to like a long, right. a so, long trip. So there's a lot of benefits to it because you are only dealing with half of the amount of rail. Uh, oh, because, right. Or uh, you can use existing tracks and have two, two, two different you lines. Double basically. Um, now, his were too wide to have them pass each other on the same rail. Okay, right. Um, but there's now a company that started in 2014 in Germany that is making a version that fits on. Oh, I can. Oh, yeah, dude, you, I can do it. You Hold can on. cast that onto your monitor. I don't yeah. have to look at your computer anymore. Uh, maybe. Oh, so, well, it's playing something. Yeah, it is. It sort of looks like. So I couldn't <laughs> Welcome German guy to the show. Yeah. Uh so there's nothing in English about this company. They oh, have wow. not made any splash internationally. I found them because there was a German guy who had a comment on the video of what we were watching of the the one from nineteen oh eight. Yeah. And this guy said you know, right now there's a company in Germany called this that uh, is doing they're, this. They're and called mono monopod oh. or um, yeah, they're more. They're not quite pods, but they're <clears throat> like single file, so that they can probably fit almost. Next, they yeah, go next to each they other. They actually can fit two adults next to each other. Oh, okay, and so it's uh, two by two, and it holds eight adults, and it fits on one rail, and it's thin enough that two can pass each other so right. that they can take abandoned railroad tracks across Germany and repurpose them to accommodate humans and move humans between towns. I wonder how long they can, because eight isn't very much. I mean, when you're, when you're speaking of traveling for any reason, so that unless it's like more of a, there's so many of them that. <clears throat> right. It'd be like the people mover at Disneyland. Oh, those are fun. So, I know. And uh, and so each pod can hold eight, but you could have a, an unlimited number of pods. 
that's treat that presents a, a tremendous amount of danger from a public transport site to have enclosed pods where it can't be monitored by a person on the bus. I mean, there's violence and there's all sorts of things that can go yeah. on in, in pods like that. I so wonder, they had an artist rendering be, yeah, and they would be cool not to, not to interrupt, but uh, like, cause there's so many places there's so many places with abandoned rail and like places like Alaska too, where it's just up through the mountains to the old gold mines or whatever. It would be so cool just to have little roving pods that you can jump in and just use those old rails and get down to where all those places. They had an artist rendering for an early version that was basically like a two seater car uh, with one person in each enclosed area. Like in Jurassic world or whatever, those two boys got stuck in that orb. Speaking of gyroscopes, that is kind of what it is, except it's not an orb. It's more of a a rectangle pod so that they can fit next to each other on, on. So when he demonstrated this in, in 1907, he actually put it on a steel cable instead of a rail just to show how ridiculously. Oh, wow. He slacklined it. He slacklined it. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That is pretty amazing. Okay. So it seems like. If it loses power, those will continue to spin for 30 minutes. Whoa. So it gives you, gives the operator. Because they were in a vacuum. Right. It gives the operator enough time. It, you know, his had an operator, a little train guy, uh, that would they they'd be able to stop the vehicle and uh, his. I, I guess they're not. I'm, I'm thinking of like lakes. a helicopter or whatever. But you're yeah. you're, you're ground level, like, right. I guess, unless you're on a bridge or something like that. And uh, those uh, monopods. Are, oh yeah, here's are all the these, concept art. The for, concept th- for those they have little emergency legs that stick out. And, and <laughs> stabilize it. Go, go. And, they are now. Since you mentioned people mover, I was thinking of like the ones at Disneyland, but I yeah. guess at airports too have a lot of those. Oh yeah, underground things that are kind of like right. Um, the Shanghai Airport has one, and uh, San Francisco. Yeah, I was just uh, going through Orlando. Another, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's the same. Yeah, that's the same size and shape of these little pods. So maybe it's not so bad. But wow. So after he invents this and showcases it, everyone loves it, except it's in the middle of World War One. No financing money being curse you, Franz Ferdinand. Exactly. And uh, he didn't get the funding. So there's there's some drawbacks. Uh, You have to have that really elaborate gyroscope set situation on each vehicle. And so unlike two wheeled vehicles or you know, side by side rails uh this needs that right. uh, stability thing uh for each vehicle and so it was financially going to be right you know, i'm moving 12 people with this five right. million you only need, for a regular train you'll need one engine which right. can pull all the cars right but every car in this needs an engine so to speak through that and through that the gyroscope. engines were so much more expensive, and it was just like this just isn't feasible. Right. So, so they're looking at options now, but uh, well, I, it's interesting because you think at some point the novelty of it would have been scooped up by Disney or right. something. I mean, what what a cool ride that even now looks futuristic that we don't know is a hundred, you know, fifteen yeah. years old. Like right. if I saw at Disneyland right now the levitating, I mean, 
the levitating Harry Potter. I mean, I know that's not canon or anything, but like <laughs> a, a magical levitating train it's that so, is so neat. So there's a Japanese company that made uh, about 10 years ago, made a uh, house version, like a model railroad of the oh fun gyroscopic thing so yeah. you can i uh, i haven't been able to find one for sale uh <laughs> but i found a couple of videos of people we who could lay a rail around your little backyard and we can take a little gyroscope oh. around <laughs> that's really cool and and even to repurpose like i said there's so many rail lines around here just like how they're doing the the little bike yeah bike rail things okay. uh hopefully they won't be as expensive as those bike rail things but um <laughs> Wow, how interesting that I'm just it just seems like you would see those around like other other antiquated things, but, you know, are still in use type things. Um, Not at all. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm glad I learned more about uh, um, gyroscopes, too. There's always been it's always been a, a blank spot in my head. Exactly how how those work. Very nice. Now I want to go ride a gyroscope. I guess I can go to I guess I can go to Germany to go do to that. Germany. Go to Germany. It's the answer for everything. <sighs> that cool. was nice. We're gonna head to the bins after this. <gasps> Are you? Yeah. Oh jealous. Should I go to the bins too? I had this really strange meetup with a guy in a parking lot before I came here. <laughs> go on. <laughs> um, it's a guy that posted about uh he has some VHS tapes that uh I wanted and I was like, Well, I'm going downtown to go record a podcast. I'll just meet you somewhere. And that way you don't have to ship me, you know, 15, 15 VHS tapes. Um, and so I met him at a place called Bodega PDX, which is some okay. sort of Bodega, I guess, um, off of Foster. Um, and so I pulled up there as a little early. He pulled up next. I kind of figured it was him cause he was, you know, having back and forth and he gets out and he says, I'm, I'm so-and-so here's your movies or whatever. And he's like, Oh, well, I'm meeting someone else here, too. And like some other guy pulls up and the original guy goes back to his truck, has another sack full of VHSs that this other guy <laughs> wants. And I was like, it's like a, a drug deal for VHS tapes. We're having this bodega parking lot. And like he's all <laughs> talking to me. He's like, yeah, I take requests. If you got a list, I can get it to you. And like, it was like this weird covert VHS meetup thing. That was, oh that was very funny. Um yeah, a thriving underworld, the the VHS world. So, well, thank you everyone again for listening. And um, next week, I think we're all but confirmed, but we should be back next week for a Portland at the movies, um, which we'll be doing. Oh, I forget the name of it now, but it's a Heather Locklear made-for-TV oh, right. thriller, as they called it. So, uh, stay tuned for that. The the hopefully the glorious return of Brian the Unipiper Kid. Um, schedule conflicts notwithstanding, but we should be back with that. Um, other than that, listen to Fun Employment Radio. Listen to Not Nerd. Go go subscribe to the Not Nerd podcast, or even better, watch their they do their show live on YouTube every week now. Oh, fun. Instead of recording it as a just a podcast, so you get to tune in and watch and and do the commenting back and forth and things like that. And I thought, wow, we were way ahead of the curb uh, curve because we used to do that for our shows um, back before that was. Uh, a sustainable way to do things and now <laughs> I feel like I'm just much too lazy so but yeah you can go interact in, in, in real time with that so that's pretty fun too so look up Not Nerd uh, everywhere yay anything else what should I take us out at 
with. I don't know. Um, what was the n- number one song of 1907? Levita- oh, I was going to... Uh, do levitating by Dua Lipa, but let's do number one song of 1907. Yeah. 1907. I don't know if typing that into YouTube will get me what I want, but here's 1907 music. Oh, odd line sign, which was written in, two, in 1910. Here we go with Byron G. Harlan's my gal, Sal. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Sounds like the elk call or like the bad Titanic using the recorder. Bring it home. Bring it home, Byron. I want to hear the hook. Certified banger, My Gal Sal by Byron G. Harlan. We'll talk to you guys later. And do a leap up. <laughs> Featuring <laughs> Nicki Minaj. <laughs>